Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Casting Seeds. I'm Savannah, your host. Jeremiah, your co-host. And you are listening to the only holistic health podcast that uses God's singular truth to give you individualized discernment. We are now in the final stretch of our first ever series, which is amazing. Wait, can we do like the clap, crowd cheering button? How do we do that? I don't remember. Is it this one? one? Yeah. There it is. <laughs> I only remembered because it was yellow. Mm. <laughs> uh, also, we don't do that often. If this is your first time listening to this, <laughs> so please don't think that's cheesy. But it we, is cheesy. <laughs> I know, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, we are finishing up our first ever series, uh, starting with biblical sex. We are doing continuous series back to back of kind of the lifespan of a Christian. So. Uh, I mean, we start by being born. So speaking about biblical sex, healthy sex, what that means, and also now ending with non-healthy sex and how to prevent having non-healthy sex addictions. And the main distributor of all those things tends to be pornography. So this episode is going to be all about God's providence through pornography, how to be able (laughs) to come out the other end, basically. To understand where it, where you're being attacked or where it's coming from, and then also how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And this is obviously just Jeremiah and I's discernment on how to be able to structure this. There are so many other healthy and helpful resources out there. Um, and there are tons of websites. And honestly, though, the best thing personally that I think that you should do is go to your own individual community if you really are struggling with this. And if I were to say, if you're not gonna listen, if you're listening to to just the first five minutes of this episode, please know that we're gonna be going in depth on what that looks like and what that means. And then also specific and healthy things for you to do uh, in order to get through this. And we're also praying for you and praying over you. So even though this part of our series is ending, we are so excited for, what is it again? The next series? Bearing and birthing. Bearing and birthing. That's right. Bearing and birthing children. But we're starting off with talking about conception and how to conceive what natural wisdom that's been passed down for thousands of years that's kind of gone out the window and not spoken about anymore. And also just different types of contraceptives that are healthy for people who are maybe looking to heal their bodies first before they're trying to conceive. Um, And then from there, we have a guest that we had come on the show that has, uh, well, she's currently in the middle of finishing up her first season of her podcast that's specifically Christian stories of women who have their birth story so that we can hear just the amazing spiritual aspect of birth and all these different amazing stories that just really show that God is throughout the entire pregnancy and birthing process and that any type of quote-unquote spiritualism you'd have is not some existential weird outside universal thing it's intentional and it's God proven so get ready for the next series because I am I I loved this past series but this next one's really really fun so I'm really excited. But yeah, this is the next season is the season we're actually looking forward to in our own lives also. Yeah, because it's a season that yeah. we're currently preparing for. Mm-hmm. But we do wish, and that's actually why we started the sex series, because we felt like we weren't prepared or told this is how you take care of your bodies and this is how you would prevent miscarriages and things like that. So let's get into uh, provision over pornography. 
So Jeremiah and I wanted to tell you guys that we actually have both come from different aspects of the entertainment industry. I think it's kind of a dabble that many parents just throw their kids into because we live in Southern California and we grew up around here. (laughs) Uh, I came from the modeling industry and I did a lot of musical theater and love you did more acting, correct? I did acting and modeling. Okay. So my career more so took off when in my early teens and, uh, it was very sexualized. I feel like even in high school theater and just theater in general can be very sexualized. Like I was exposed to a lot of um, really what I would find inappropriate plays. Uh, and outside of that, when I modeled, I, my parents definitely tried to protect me as much as they could, but they don't know, you know, and when they sign off on things like then it's OK. So like they, there were a few times where I was around like men and women and there actually was one shoot where they decided for me to go topless and that was I think I was 16 years old and uh, they were very sweet and actually having all of the men step out and thank god I had uh, well I think that I had one male photographer he was the main photographer but all the other men had to leave we had a female makeup artist so it was that guy the female and then I think my I don't know I think my mom was with me on that shoot Or my dad, I don't remember. But I do remember feeling like at that point in time as a 16-year-old, this is my job. Whether or not I'm uncomfortable, it doesn't really matter because I'm getting paid. And um, they didn't provide any stickies for me or anything like that. Uh, I also did a few shoots where uh, last minute we kind of, I guess it was, I had a few shoots planned with this guy. And I remember his name still to this day, and I'm not going to say who he is, but... uh, It was so awkward because I was, I think, 17 or maybe I think I was like just turned 17 at this point. And I'd been modeling since I was about 14 years old and we were doing a perfume ad and um, I had to like kiss him. And then he was telling me, like, you need to learn to embrace your sexuality. He was French and he was a star of a cooking show and just had a lot of stuff going for him. And I was like, man, I guess I do need to figure that out. And I was really embarrassed because I was really stiff and rigid around him. Um, but he told me like to, you know, work with it if, you know, use that innocence as a, a way to sell the product. And I had no idea what that meant, but, uh, I had to kiss him, which also made me really uncomfortable. But my dad, since he was on that shoot, I felt a little bit better. But the thing that was most uncomfortable is that this man was almost 40 years old and I was 17 and I had to like fake make out with him for the shoot. And I, had barely like I had a boyfriend at the time, but I I didn't make out or kiss a lot of boys like that. That type that type of stuff was really uncomfortable for me, and I just again I had that mentality and mindset of like this is my job. I have to do this. I'm not going to make the money if I don't do this, and um, I just realized it's like a very like money driven industry, right? And I don't know why or who approved it and why it was okay. But then, so that was already kind of gross. Fast forward a few weeks later, my parents flipped a lid. And this is actually one of the reasons why I started pulling back on modeling in general, because they actually found out that he was a adult film star. And that was shocking to say the least. I know my parents were upset. I wasn't there in that conversation and I don't even remember when I fully found out, but I know it wasn't it wasn't before we went in there. My parents ended up telling me later. And what was even more awkward is he was like my Facebook friend at the time. And this is actually one of the reasons why I decided 
to delete my Facebook. I deactivated it entirely in 2020 when I heard that there were a bunch of leaks going out and that they could basically steal all of your data and then you could never fully delete your Facebook after that. They had like a window, like if you fully want to delete everything where all of your data is actually going to be deleted, you have until this window. And I decided to get rid of all of it which also had a lot of my modeling pictures on there and just a lot of people connected to that uh, life and past. I had like, I think over 5,000 friends and I'm like, none of them are really my friends, but a lot of them were connected to the modeling industry. And um, also a lot of unhealthy body image things came up from that because people would tell me like, oh, you know, I know you're 15 years old, but if you just smoked cigarettes, it would curb your appetite. And I played soccer at that time. I had a lot of bruises. People would tell me I was too bulky and muscular which was like the nice term. And then on the other end, they would over-sexualize me and be like, wow, you're so thin and so beautiful. And like, I love your curves. And I was just a kid. So even in their compliments, like where they were giving me compliments and I felt very beautiful at times, I was being unknowingly groomed into the idea of your, first of all, your Beauty and your body is what you're literally worth right now. And if you're not my ideal of what I see fit as beautiful, you're not going to book a job. And on top of that, um, it's always going to be overtly sexualized because you're talking about your body, the way that you pose, the way that you angle. It's going to be a sexualized, especially high fashion, which is what I was doing, um, industry. To boot... um, I think also it just ruined my confidence because then I became a people pleaser in that way where if I did whatever the person in front of me asked me to do, then they would be happy and then I would be happy. So it's basically the opposite of everything that God has ever implanted into our hearts as our cornerstone. So I just wanted to give that background of where I came from and why And you may be asking then, Savannah, what does the modeling industry and all that have to do with pornography? There are tons of people out there that have had experiences just like Jeremiah and I. And uh, one of those people is actually Adrienne Young. So her Instagram handle is A-R-D-E-N underscore Young underscore. And she should pop up pretty quickly because she's getting pretty big. But she is an ex-child actress along with many other ex-child actors and actresses that have come out saying that when they modeled, when they were on Nickelodeon, when they were on Disney, they had tons of perversion shoved in their face. They had to do weird things with their feet and do weird fetishy type stuff on children's shows. And kids are groomed. We are groomed consistently. And now with the transgender uh, grooming that's happening and the gay agenda that is definitely has groomed tons of children into being over-sexualized. And I'm not saying all people who struggle with homosexuality are interested in child pornography and things like that. But what I am saying is, and what, and also what the research is going to show is the, once it starts getting somewhat perverted, when you are interested in pornography, it has to get worse and worse and worse for you to be and stay interested, uh, in order to literally stay turned on and to be able to ejaculate. So when it comes to these conversations, um, Adrian Young, actually, she left the industry and became an undercover journalist. And she specifically wanted to attack the Hollywood industry, the modeling industry, and all of the pornographic sites because a lot of them actually pay for each other. So her Instagram exposes that quite often. 
and I've been following her for quite some time, but I wanted you guys to listen to this clip before you guys also then heard Jeremiah's story because what she went through was very similar to what Jeremiah experienced. And here's Adrienne Young. Undercover to investigate and here's what happened in video five. I sat down with Sean Morier, a software engineer at Traffic Junkie, ALO's advertisement network. He confesses that consent is not something that they verify before running a pornographic ad across different websites, including Pornhub. To verify this, Sound Investigations placed several different calls to Traffic Junkie's customer care line, posing as advertisers. Not only did the reps confirm that proof of consent is not required, but neither is proof of age. They say whether or not a model is underage is subjective and they decide on their end. They also say that if they deem a model underage or a video illegal, they won't disable the account or alert law enforcement in any way. Finally, Sean acknowledges that with big liability comes big profits and that's a risk that ALO, parent company, is just willing to take. Head to the link in my bio to watch the full undercover video for yourself. So Jeremiah had a very similar, had similar experiences growing up. Um, and I do know that for men specifically, when homosexuality and things like that are pushed onto them, it's a very overtly sexualized experience. And it tends to be from older men uh, or gentlemen kind of overtly like expressing that. And Jeremiah had a few of those circumstances actually in his past. Right, babe? Yeah. I went to acting school for about two, three years when I was around like 10, 11 years old. And when I finished and I started doing interviews, I guess cold calls and casting calls and stuff, I had a casting call for Secondhand Lions. And in that, in that casting call, it was... Were you alone? Yeah, so it was, if I remember this, it was one camera and then three gentlemen and a woman. Oh, so you were actually, that's further along in the process when they do those calls. Well, yeah, like, so through the school, like, I got bumped up pretty far mm -hmm. because, I, like, I have teachings in this. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to go through, like, the a few of the calls. other process. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when I, so when I went in, I was already competing with Hollywood stars. Yeah. Because so I lost a role to somebody that's Haley already Joel famous. Joel Osmond is the one who got that role. Yeah. So, in that... Or Haley. Is that how you say Haley? Haley? Whatever. I, I'm not sure. The Osmond kid. <laughs> when when I did that interview, they handed me a script. And on that script, it was re required to insinuate that I was a gay boy. And I was not comfortable with that. But that's not a part of the movie at all. Yeah. They just wanted to see if you can act, I guess act homosexual but see like that's what doesn't make any sense because that's homosexuality the whole premise of it is a man attracted to a man or a woman attracted to a woman what does that have to do with a child in a movie about raising a lion yeah like that has nothing why does a child's sexuality have to do with it at all and that's a very innocent movie yeah i mean i interviewed i did some for some demonic ones like red dragon that was a really demonic movie, and it's just a regular call. That's like nothing, nothing odd about it. Wow. Well, but my experience in in secondhand lions like that really turned me off, and I left because, like me growing up, I did not have great experiences in that community, so I just mm -hmm. didn't want anything to do with it. So I dropped out of that. 
Yeah, it's weird how from a very young age, children in specifically that industry and in other industries as well, but children are overtly sexualized or exposed to um, sexual premises that have nothing to do with literally anything they're doing. Yeah. When you're acting, why should a child have to act like they like boys when it's a movie about lions? I haven't seen that movie in forever, but I was a kid when I saw it. And now it makes me kind of want to want to watch back and see if there are weird innuendos that I yeah. didn't notice, obviously, because I was an innocent child. Well, it's two two gentlemen and a boy, right? Yeah. I wonder. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. So for my second example in my life, um, later on, I wanted to get into modeling. I don't know why I thought it would be any different, but when I started <laughs> joining that community and doing the training I started to, you know, try to make friends and become part of the the group. And then I quickly found out that I'd say about 98% of the community was already gay. And they, they, they sought after me and they wanted me to become gay. They tried to convert you. Yeah. So that, that part of the industry was not healthy either. Well, also too, I do find it strange because we grew up in the era where there were like shirtless male models like Jeremiah was an Abercrombie model and which in my vows, floor model, just, just to say, yeah, I was not still. in the photos. I was on the floor, <laughs> but still he was a teenage boy. Yeah. And also at that point you, you were 19, right? No, I, I started when I was 18, 18, but still you're now an a legal adult. Yeah. And then younger girls would come in and hit on him and like expect him to flirt with them back. Yeah, yeah, they handed me their numbers all the time. Yeah. So, it's just weird how even through advertising right in front of your faces like your kids are being told all the time like, "Oh, if someone is half if they're shirtless or they're vulnerable and exposing themselves, you need you should go speak to them." That's they're showing their vulnerability, so you should give up a part of your sensuality as well. And that should be like an okay, a green flag instead of it being a red flag. Yeah. I find that really interesting. But with our personal stories aside, we wanted to get, tell you guys that we actually have a background in this. Not only did we grow up in it, but also even if you don't have a background in these professional spheres, you may have no idea that you and or your children have been affected in these ways with images and suggestive content and that's what we're here to talk about and expose and show you that that's why pornography is an epidemic right now. And it's so easy. Not Obviously, it's easy for someone to just Google or look up, but it's it's so blatantly in front of our faces all the time and we don't even think about it, the suggestive content that uh, we see. Yeah, that's the, the industry and I 100% agree. And I just want to note this part. Mm -hmm. When you put photos on the internet, this now becomes public access mm -hmm. anyone can use that anyone can take them and especially we, with ai now yeah and we've already heard of experiences where families have taken photos from private accounts yeah and shared them on private pornography sites well families didn't do this this happened to no it was a family member that took it from their instagram <gasps> and they shared it and on they shared it on a pornography website that's horrific yeah okay Wow. So you have to be careful. It is better to be protective 100% than 
expose anything. Yeah, I think Jeremiah and I, after doing this research, we already were kind of leaning towards never allowing our kids to be on the internet until they're old enough to decide for themselves, which um, I don't know, we have to discuss more in depth with that for even when we have kids. But I think the most difficult part is then navigating like, okay, if I already have my children up on content and things like that, like, is there a way that I can delete it and protect them? Yes, you can stop now. And we're not saying you're a bad parent if you decide to have your children in content or allow them to be on uh, social media and things like that. But what we are saying is, because um, for the, a lot of parents are going to be like, well, it's inevitable, you know, whatever. I'm still going to let them do what they do. And people are still going to take photos of my kids and do whatever do they, they want to them. And yeah, that's true. It can happen. But you still have to pray about it and get the level of discernment between you and the Lord of what you think is okay. And if you ignore the discernment of God saying, no, please protect your child to this amount, whatever that is, then you are sinning. And that is a problem. And you are not protecting your children the way that you should be. And there are people who do stalk families and stalk kids and think that your kid is beautiful and they will do things to them and abduct them. That's that happened. There's tons of stories like that out there and people, you just don't hear about it very often, but I don't want your child to be a part of that ratio. So that's also why we're talking about this. But outside of those extreme things, uh, we're here to talk about provision over pornography specifically, but we're going to start off with why biblically pornography is bad. Obviously we all know that lusting like pornography in general is it's all about lust but it starts off in the heart right jesus even makes it clear that even if you look with lust in your heart like if your heart just thinks about it you're not even looking at someone you're thinking about a lustful thing that is considered sinful and if you were to start off just that in general most people get very offended by that because every single man and woman has experienced that to some degree right? Even if it's like a jealousy type of lust, I feel like that happens more so with women. Um, But women still have very vivid imaginations. And even when you're like with your boyfriend outside of marriage and you want to be with him, like that is still lusting and is still a sin, let alone acting upon it. And um, I mean, for men, they they are very visual creatures. So I don't know if men have as much of a vivid as imagination as women do. I don't know. I'm not a man. But that's why pornography is such a huge temptation for men and women. Um, I know women are more audibly stimulated. And that's actually why, like, even if you were to look up in our podcast, like when you look up casting seeds, if you were just to type in porn, I thought when you typed it in, because I, I did a lot of research on this, I thought it was going to be like all of these advocates against pornography. And it's just straight up pornography. I had no idea that that was a thing. And I actually saw that um, 80% of women prefer audible pornography than they do visual. Wild. Looking at pornography in general, when it comes to the Bible, is it a sin? Absolutely. Yes, 100%. The apostle uh, John describes it as the lust of the flesh. So lusting of the eyes. Uh, It's like your eyes are the pride of life. In 1 John 2.16. And I'm just going to give all of these Bible verses first because I'm going to say a lot. So I have 1 John 2.16, Philippians 4.8. I have 2 Peter 2.19, 1 Corinthians 6.12, Proverbs 6.25-28, Ezekiel 20.30, Ephesians 4.19, and Matthew 5.28. Okay. 
So pornography is definitely not on the list of things that the Apostle Paul tells us to think about, but pornography easily becomes an addiction, right? It's destructive and it's an adultery of the heart, which is the Matthew 5, 28 verse. Uh, in more practical and personal level, pornography can lead to masturbation, which is also an addiction. We already discussed in another episode that that is a sin and can lead to dissatisfaction with your spouse due to his or her inability to perform like professionals or be able to touch you the same way that you touch yourself because you get used to that same habitual movement and uh, self-pleasure, which again, we talked about that being a sin in other episodes. We discussed it in a few other episodes in our sex series. Um, the first Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7 is also really relevant today because it's explanation. I'm just going to read the verse. If it's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister, the Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. I mean, First Thessalonians three or 4, 3 through 7. Just with that verse alone, can you say that pornography is okay? No. And we understand that people listening may not be Christian, but we also have non-biblical reasons and why it's really bad and unhealthy for you. But let's continue why biblically it's incorrect. <laughs> uh, Matthew 5, 27 through 30, you have heard of what it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery within his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your the whole body is thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Amen. Yeah. I think people look at that and say, okay, I have to cut off a body part if it's causing me to sin. No. What he's saying is, I mean, maybe some people actually do, but he's saying that it should get to that extreme because our bodies, our flesh, they they go away with this world. They're not going to come up with us to the next. And it's like, if it's causing you to sin, literally cut it off. It's a dying dead branch. You cut it off so that fruit can come later. Um, I, I want you to know too, that it's also ultimately summing this up. Pornography is demonic. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. All of it is outside of God's providence and God's presence of what he adorns sex to be in a marriage, which again, other episodes, if you guys have been following along in this series, we already stated what that was, right? Now that it said, I do not blame demons for my sins, right? Demonic presence may be a thing, but it's not what causes me to sin. I still have a choice. We all still have free will. I don't care if you're Calvinist or you're into Arminianism, you still have free will on that, on both ends, which both parties agree. Um, so yes, demonic forces make sinful temptations more powerful and seem to be able to bring them up more frequently, especially if we say yes to the sinful flesh, right? But we cannot blame our sins on Satan 
or his demons because they cannot force us to do anything. I just want to make that very clear. So anyone out there saying like, oh, well, you know, I've been really oppressed or I think this person's possessed. Yeah, maybe if someone's actually under possession, but if they're under possession, they're not saved. So that's a whole other conversation that we need to be having. For the Christian um, within, you need to understand that you have indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if you truly understand that, then you have a choice to walk on the straight and narrow to walk with Christ or to choose demonic temptation, right? First Corinthians 10, 13 specifically states that God always provides a way to escape the temptation every single time. And if we fail to take advantage of that escape plan, that's our fault, not God's. That's us choosing to sin. And then we do have options for repentance. God will allow things to come back up in your life over and over again so that you can finally have that first step of saying, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm choosing the Lord. And that's why when you go through habitual sin issues and people are like, man, this has been happening and I've been struggling with this for so long. Yes, because you keep choosing yes. And when you choose yes, then in the flesh or in the modern terminology, they turn it into, oh, okay, well, yeah, you've created these bad habits. So when these habits turn up, then your body starts looking for that habit to do the cheat over and over again. And guess what? Self-pleasure and the fastest and easiest way you can get it, your body's going to crave that and want that more than anything else. So that's why specifically sex and pornography, it's so much deeper than just a like an overall sin, like when you sin against your brother or your sister in Christ or sin against the Lord. This affects your mind your thought process, this affects your flesh, like your physical flesh of your body, and it affects you spiritually. So that's why a lot of people think that sexual sin and pornography is actually worse than any other sin. And you know what? Some people may say, Savannah, I have the Bible verses to prove that. When I've looked into it and I've seen those Bible verses, it never said that it's worse than any other sin. It just says and states that it's a sin that affects more things at once, which is that a bigger sin? I don't know. So all sin is equal sin. Well, that's what I'm saying. Some people are going to say that's not true for mm-hmm. sex. Well. <laughs> if you okay. guys think that, we'd actually love to hear why you think that. So now I'm going to tell you the porn stats, Jeremiah, and stop me if you have any questions. I know this is going to be a very heavy me speaking episode. Um, I specifically did that because Jeremiah is a man and he's my husband and I wanted to be protective over him. And I know actually I was affected looking up the stats and doing research. And I had to tell Jeremiah I had to stop a few times because it mentally and emotionally affected me. One, it made me really sad. And then two times I noticed it made me kind of like want to go make love to my husband. And I'm not sure if it was because I wanted to like cleanse kind of the things that I read or if I actually got excited and it made me feel really guilty. And I prayed, actually, it's going to get me choked up a little, but it, it made me feel really guilty. And I couldn't even imagine being a man looking into this stuff. So that's why it's, to me, just even those the ways that I was reading about it in a negative way. I wasn't even reading about it in a way that would be exciting or sexual. I didn't see anything that was inappropriate. But knowing that, I, I wanted to be protective over my husband because I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine being a guy and looking into this and then having that type of struggle, right? So, um. Yeah, I also didn't expect to get choked up talking about that. <laughs> uh, so these are porn statistics. So porn, though uh, many people think is very pro-LGBT, most videos are actually show overtly sexualized, perverse view of gay relationships and 
fetish stance of, of LGBTQ plus whatever. So if we're going to talk about LGBTQ for pornography, we're starting with the stats. Uh, 30% of all LGBTQ videos are actually done with children involved. And uh, most LGBTQ videos that are made are over-sexualized and a perverse, even more perverse view of a gay relationship in a fetish stance. So they're not technically what people would call an actual homosexual relationship. Like that's not actually what's done in homosexual relationships. Not like that would even matter for Christians. But um, a porn user is 40% more likely to be uh, attracted to violence or violent themselves. Porn is habit forming and very difficult to quit as an escape from a harsh world. This was actually done by a doctor who is a non-Christian. It causes uh, issues between marriages, dating and having children, sexual issues in bed, and so much more. And over 90% of people who are consistently watching porn, which is three or more times a week and a yearly basis, have all of these problems times 10. Pornography also decreases sexual performance and satisfaction with spouse because it is all about self-pleasure and uh, you don't understand how to basically pleasure your spouse in any way, shape, or form because you are literally training yourself to make it a selfish act. It actually changes your neuropathways to your brain and it's called a supernormal stimulus, which is the warping and changing of what we perceive as normal. So either it progressively has to get more aggressive or whatever you think is more violent, more, more, more of whatever it is, more perverse for you to be able to stay uh, attracted. And so people will take those perverse things and then say, well, I must not be, I, like, it'd be like if I went to Jeremiah and said, sorry, honey, I am no longer attracted to you because I watch lesbian pornography and that's what I find attractive. And then it grows into something else. And then I end up even leaving my husband because I've now convinced myself that I'm lesbian because I watched pornography on it, which actually, um, which I do have a stat here, 85% of people who say that they are, are now gay or in the LGBT community or transgender, whatever it is, uh, started off with watching pornography. 85%. Uh, porn also normalizes abuse up to 98%. Porn fuels mental health issues, especially of escapism, stress, lack of cognitive thinking, and comparison thinking. Porn profits from non-sexual consent, aka rape, and in children. So all of porn uploaded, 60% of it is non-consensual, whether it's being streamed and someone didn't ask it to, whatever it is. And 70% of that pornography is child abuse. So they are under the age of 18. And a lot of them are lit, like under the age of 10. They Out of the 70% of it being child abuse, wow. 80% of it is 10 and under. It's disgusting. 80% of all people in the porn industry have been sex trafficked. And when you watch it for free, the industry still profits off of child and sex trafficking. The only recovery offered for Western medicine is to replace this addiction with a physical activity like dancing or going to the gym, seeing a therapist and becoming basically replacing with another obsession of consumption. Mm -hmm. So if you're actively doing something to go actively do something else, that's like the main thing that they say to do, replace it with another obsession or another addiction. And one in three videos in porn 
are violence based. Hmm. So if if you if your addiction is to become violent and then they're encouraging you to go replace it with like going to the gym or doing other physical activities, they're actually training their brain to cohe like become cohesive with violence and movement. Uh, fifty three percent of all pornography is incestu- incestuous. So like brother sister anything within the family. Oh well. Mother, father, all that stuff. And the top most popular videos daily, so like just daily, have 641 million views on average. So like in the top 100, I guess this it must kind of be like how on YouTube, you know how like things pop up like the most viewed video of today. Yeah. Um so they have top 100 most popular videos, I guess, constantly going. Isn't that kind of gross? Like all these same people are watching the same video, doing the same thing. Consistently, consistently. all the time. Like you're basically doing it. Uh, never mind. It's just disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so I just wanted, I want people to understand that this is an epidemic. This isn't just a small issue. This is literally an epidemic happening and they want it to be. I'm going to say I actually have a family member. He is no longer with us, but he was very high up in the porn industry. He was a producer of porn. He was a huge uh, voice and advocate for pornography. Um, I'm not going to say why he died or who he was or anything like that, but I do want to (laughs) say hearing his justifications for things like this and as to like he thought he... I don't think he thought in order to make himself feel better about this, he was what he called a sex advocate. And I remember him discussing these things with me when I was like 16 years old. So were you ever reached out to do porn? Um, not directly, but indirectly. Yeah. yeah. There were definitely innuendos. I was reached out. Yeah. It yeah. was definitely like insinuated, especially now looking back as an adult, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, too, if your kids are on social media, and I would even say young adults are on social media, OnlyFans and all these things, there's a reason why it's so tempting because people talk about making so much money and you don't even now have to like have sex with someone inadvertently. You can just send them images or send them, you know, like inappropriate content. Now they have that whole industry for the foot fetishes and stuff. Like you don't even have to leave your home. Yeah. And like the... It is still pornography. It is. Yeah. And you know what's funny too? Because I know Jeremiah and I have talked about this with other Christian couples. We're like, why don't we just take some foot pics? All of us. We can all put our money together, you know, do that. And we were like, but yeah, but we're encouraging pornography. Like yeah. we can't. So, and it's not that we were actually serious, but it sucks because it's like, I can see Christians get frustrated because it's like so many people out there make so much money and like we're doing the right things. We're paying our taxes. We're paying our bills. We're giving to Caesar what is Caesar's and we're working so hard. Like why do these people get to make millions of dollars off of just taking photos of their toes and I have to sit back and just, you know, struggle. And that's because this world isn't ours. The next one is for us. And we're also supposed to be helping save those people. Well, we don't, but showing them what God has done to save us. And most of them, I mean, you guys heard the stat. Most of them have been self-sex trafficked into it. So they don't even know that they have any other option or any other way. So please don't look at that with jealousy or envious thought or think like, wow, but a lot of porn stars have beautiful bodies and like they just all look so good and so healthy and they advocate for, you know, it's all a lie. 
Every single aspect of pornography is a lie. And uh, let me also tell you, all of these facts that I found or that I put on here, I didn't even actually mention that Christian website. These were actually all done by a doctor or three doctors that came together and interviewed, uh, I think, 10,000 couples across the U.S., and they also got all of these stats from all different pornographic websites. And a lot of these come from uh, Pornhub and Traffic Junkie and all of those sites that are sister sites of that. So, <laughs> yeah. But we do have also those uh, stats, or not the stats themselves, but the website links in our show notes. So with all of that, because we wanted to keep this episode as swift as possible, what do you do then? to come out of pornography? How do you stop struggling with it? How do I get out of the sexual sin? Or even if it's not pornography itself, but lust, the action of lust, I wanted to talk about how you guys can turn to the Prince of Peace versus porn. Um, this is how to heal and provision through any, and I think it would be work for through any addiction, not just pornography. And you know, like I felt like I actually had some healing moments looking into this as well through other addictions that I have in my life and habitual sin stuff, right? So one, we need to understand that content is being made to bring an unsettling void to make you watch. So if you notice that you tend to really be interested in videos, even on Instagram, when they're like, don't do this, or are you doing this? That's killing all the birds in your local area. If those things really trigger you, like where you really feel like you need to watch it, you don't even realize, but you are already a part of content feeding. So you're you already kind of close to the fear mongering tactics. You are actually more susceptible to propaganda because of that. So our brains are wired since the fall to be addicted to what we can't have. That's just plain and simple. Pornography has to get worse and worse to be exciting and get better, which we already established, right? We must then untrain the want or desire for the things that we do not have or self-gratification, aka we need to learn to be at peace. Uh, and I've, I've mentioned this before, the fruits of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Uh, this is specifically the New King James Version, but it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then self-control. Again, such there is no law. So if we are truly understanding that we, when we struggle with self-gratification or these habitual habits, uh, if we don't have peace in our hearts about what we have and where we're at and our stance in our life, there's no way we're going to get to self-control because self-control is the last thing, right? So it's love, joy, peace. If you struggle with peace, then you actually don't have joy in your heart. You may understand God's love and his forgiveness and ongoing unkindness, but you don't have joy with what you have right now because you have to mask it with things in the moment. So same thing if you struggled with kindness, right? You actually don't do well with long suffering. So you don't have any patience in your life. So I, I'm a huge advocate for people really memorizing the fruits of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, 22, through 23, that's been like a game changer for me and my walk with Christ. Because if you can recognize which fruit that you're struggling in, you know where to start. Um, so that's step one, recognizing which fruit you're struggling in with this sin. Is it self-control? Okay, yeah, I struggle with self-control, but am I gentle when it comes to this? No, I'm not. And you just work your way backwards until you figure out like, oh, okay, this is where I'm at. So once you figure out the base of where you're struggling, 
Now, step two, you're going to go, you're going to Matthew 5, 9 yourself. (laughs) So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peacemaking between ourselves and others and between two people or other people is most importantly, whether or not it's for ourselves, it's actually most importantly for the Lord. And we can't be at peace with God while sinning against our own bodies because we're made in his image, right? Living, uh, that's actually one of the things that the Living Waters podcast talks about quite often. So whether or not you're actually struggling with peace when it comes to the fruits of the Holy Spirit, it's understanding that when you're sinning, you're still not at peace with God. So you need to first figure out, one, where are you sinning in with the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Two, recognize and repent that you have withdrawn yourself from being at peace with God because you've sinned against the flesh, because you've sinned against the spirit, and or possibly a brother or sister in Christ if you've involved someone else. And I think that when you actually watch pornography, you're actually still having sex with that person. So I still think that you are you need to pray about that as well. So having true repentance and like feeling sorrowful. Um, but then understanding the gospel of peace versus the provision of porn, right? So what steals a human's peace? Stress, anger, lust, selfishness, evil, injustice, hopelessness, harshness, jealousy. There's probably other ones. Anxiety. Yeah. I, yes. I've struggled with all of those, by the way, at some point or another in my life. Um, if people don't have shalom, which means peace, then they cannot be a Colossians 3.15 person, right? And let this peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body to be thankful. This verse is stating that in order to have peace in your hearts, you must one, know the Lord, two, be in repentance towards your sin, and understand that it was that salvation's a gift given by God. And three, be in community. You have to be in community and be held accountable. And then four, be thankful, even through the hardest times. Ultimately, yes, there are other sins associated to it by checking through the Holy Spirit. But that's why I want to make it clear that when it comes to pornography, most people are also just in general not at peace in their heart. And even with other habitual sins, whatever the sin is, understand that you have no peace in your heart and in your life. So I I just want you to clarify for our listeners, like if you Mm -hmm. are a Christian and you do struggle with pornography, Mm -hmm. you do not exhibit all of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, are you still saved? I think that's a hard question to ask because I do think that if you're an elder or a leader in your church, this is something you should not ever be struggling with. You are held to a higher standard as a shepherd overlooking the sheep. But then you could come down and say, well, Savannah, all of us individually are also supposed to be shepherds. But my flock may be one. My flock may be five. That person's flock may be 50. And at the end of the day, I don't think if someone came to me and they said that they were Christian and they struggle with pornography, I don't think I'd look at them and say, well, you must not be saved. But If I did life with them, they asked me to hold them accountable and they continuously did not get better. And you could tell that they didn't try, nor did they care, nor did they not fear the Lord or have any type of, um, what's a good way to explain it? Um, Remorse. Yeah. Thank you. 
if someone didn't have any remorse or feel guilty at all, or they had that conviction and they were like, they made excuses and they were justified, I would have every right to question whether or not they actually truly love God. So if you do struggle with this and in your heart, you're like, well, you know, like, but it, it like, it, you know, deep down you're making excuses for yourself mentally and emotionally and physically, then yeah, we do have rights to question whether or not your fruit is genuine or if it's going to wither away. Like the, the cast, the seeds, casting seeds, right? The proverb in Matthew. So I, yeah, to answer your question, I do think it's a in-between area. I don't know people individually. Does that make sense? Yes and no, because I, I think all Christians struggle with sin we sin is literally if you miss the target so just because you miss the target once if you repent go to your community like i need help and you're trying to overcome this sin i definitely think it's not a question but i'm saying your community can judge whether or not like we can read each other's hearts i did feel like you kind of beat around the bush a little bit in that explanation though I don't though I don't do life with the people. I can't say that. What I'm no. what I'm trying to say is community can only hold you accountable. So yes, then if a community catches them saying like you say you want to be held accountable, but then you're actively hiding it from me and lying about it not just to me but also especially to God, yes, then the community can say I question whether or not you're actually saved. That's okay and that's appropriate, but what I'm trying to say is I don't do community with all of our listeners. So if you are that person and someone has told you, I question whether or not you're saved by your actions because you don't live a fruitful life, 100%, that is okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. That was a better explanation. Okay. Well, if you are that person, just know, even if you were a murderer or a rapist or all of the most horrific worst things that someone could ever think of, Jesus still loves you and wants you to be saved. Uh, sin still has repercussions. There will be people who will not forgive you and not be okay with the sins that you had or the sins that you've done. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's between you and your relationship with the Lord and your true, whether or not it's true repentance and you're going to live a changed life. So that's why I want to say John 14, 27 says, do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, right? We're talking about world judgment. But do I give you? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Romans thirteen fourteen. But put the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for flesh to gratify desires. Or put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for flesh to gratify desires. And then 2 Timothy two twenty two. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So this is all about heart conviction, 100%. So to summarize all of this, uh, from a biblical perspective, even without all the verses and info which we, we have here for you guys, yes, it's a sin. If it's a sin, it needs repentance. But if you can't figure out how to repent, and repentance means truly change, how do you do that? One, you acknowledge that there's a sin. Two, you have to be specific with where the heart issue actually is. Pornography is much later, but is it like coming from pride? Is it stemming from not having peace? Is it stemming from not understanding God's love, lack of self-control? What is it? What is the main thing that it's stemming from? Three, go straight to community. Don't ever try to fight it by yourself. 
and be honest and vulnerable and check and be held accountable. And if the person who says they're going to does not check in on you, they're not holding you accountable properly. You need to find someone else who really is going to. Four, do your research. Find out why God says these things are bad. Find out why God says that it's not good or healthy for you and do external also extra research like how we showed you guys all of the info that we had was based on a non-christian bias and all of these doctors are saying it is horrific for you and it's not just these doctors as well that think that um all, a lot of people are coming out of the porn industry saying i was convinced it was good for me all that stuff and it's not uh the last thing i would say is be thankful and pray be thankful for the opportunities that you have where you thought temptation was coming in for a moment and you were able to reject it, or you did fall into the temptation and then you were able to repent and be truly sorrowful and say, God, please give me that opportunity again to choose you. Please, please let me choose you. And even though it's going to be scary, it's like he's bringing a battle to you. Mm -hmm. So be thankful for every single opportunity, whether it is a negative, what you perceive as negative, God's going to still use to be glorified. Love, do you have anything you'd like to say from a man's perspective? Because I know I've spoken a lot during this episode. Yeah, uh, I would like to say that I agree with you 100%. And I think to kind of give practical application to this, um, you know, if you're a man or a woman, but men, I think if you're having that itch to scratch and you're in a situation that causes you to want to sin, you need to put down whatever you're doing, grab your Bible, get in the Word immediately. After that, you need to reach out to your community. It doesn't have to be your entire men's group. One, two, three guys, that's it. You don't have to broadcast it. And, you know, you you do owe your wife to be protective of her and your heart. And we just need to isolate the world from our lives completely. And if you're struggling, don't... No one's going to be upset at you. No one's going to judge you. Everyone's struggling in some form of sin. So don't be afraid. And God will forgive you. Yeah, work together with your body. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This was actually the most difficult podcast for Jeremiah and I to prepare for. And even I cannot tell you how many interruptions we've had in trying to film this in the past. Or I'm sorry, record this in the past and record it even today, the yeah. day that we recorded it. We've, I don't know how Jeremiah is going to even edit this episode. So we know for a fact that uh, the enemy does not want us to share this type of information. We know that we've had a lot of difficulty in general with that. And we've asked for a lot of prayer, a lot of wisdom, and a lot of discernment for recording this episode. So please consistently be praying for us because we do uh, recognize that there's information besides just pornography that Jeremiah and I are looking into that uh, the world does not want us to share or talk about. That's why we created a first holistic podcast, the only podcast out there that has to do with holistic health and discernment, right? Individual relationships with Christ. So again, asking for prayer always. We'd love for you guys to please leave reviews of our podcast, write a review on any type of form of media that you're on. And don't forget to follow me, Savannah, Holistic Wife on Instagram. So you guys can vote whether or not these episodes were planting seeds or casting pearls. 
Uh, We love you guys, and we are praying that some sort of seeds were planted in your hearts while listening to this episode. That discernment was planted even if it had nothing to do with pornography, but it helped you guys figure out how to get out of habitual sin. That's what we're praying for. So always praying. We love you guys and keep casting seeds. We hope you enjoyed learning how to cultivate God's creation from a biblical perspective. Holistic health is to prioritize whole person wellness through Christ. Like and comment on what topics we're casting seeds or casting pearls. If you found this information provided useful, subscribe to our podcast for future updates, leave a review to help us improve, and share this episode. We would like to remind you before we leave that perfect health cannot be attained in this world. Only spiritual salvation through sanctification and repentance to God and turning away from sin will give you a perfect body in the kingdom come. Nourish yourself in the word, in prayer, and in biblical fellowship daily. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thank you to our listeners for making this podcast possible. Always praying. Keep casting seeds.